Thank you, that was awesome. I wish I had the gift of singing every time I try singing the... Uh... So Lord, we bless your name today. Thank you for this place of worship. Thank you for everyone that's here. I bless every family. I bless all the extended family, Lord, those who aren't with us today that are in this church body those that were praying into this church body. Father, we ask for if anybody here has any healing needs in their body, we pray for them right now. That you would touch them in their body, in their mind, in their soul, in their spirit, in their physical body, Lord. Let healing sweep through this place today. And when we go from here, Father, just remind us that we've been in the presence of the Lord today. For we come here, Lord, not to seek anything but your presence. We're here to seek you today. Just um, everyone, let's just sing this chorus one more time. This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Happy Sunday, everybody. The reading that I'm about to read is from the book of Matthew, and I want you to think about that for as we're reading it. How it applies to your mind, what you get out of it. It's a parable about the laborers in the vineyard. And probably each person has their own little different concept as to what this parable means to you as an individual. We'll go through the parable of the vineyard. It's recorded in the book of Matthew. And this is the only place that it's actually recorded in the Bible, this particular parable. It's not recorded anywhere else, only in the book of Matthew. Here we go, starting with the first verse. For the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them into his vineyard. And going out about the third hour, he saw others still standing there idle in the marketplace. And he said to them, you go into the vineyard too, and whatever is right, I will give you. So they went. Going out again about the sixth hour and the ninth hour, he did the same. 
And about the eleventh hour he went out and still found others standing. He said to them, Why do you stand here idle all day? They said to him, Because no one has hired us. He said to them, Go into the vineyard too. And when evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to the foreman, Call the laborers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last up to the first. And when those hired about the eleventh hour came, each of them received a denarius. Now when those who were hired first came, they thought they would receive more because each of them, the other ones, had received a denarius. And on receiving it, they grumbled at the master of the house, saying, These last worked only an hour, and you have made them equal with us, who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. But he replied to them, Friend, I am not doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me with for Daenerys? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to this last worker as I give you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or do you begrudge me my generosity? So the last will be first, and the first last. So many twists and turns in this particular parable. And one thing that kind of strikes out at me that I never thought of before is that this parable actually talks about one of the commandments. And you're thinking, okay, so which commandment might it lead up to? How about the tenth commandment? Coveting. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife, nor his manservant, nor his maidservant, nor his cattle, nor anything that is thy neighbor's. The first laborers of the field are basically somewhat covetous of those who only worked an hour because they should have received more, they thought. It's interesting in this particular parable that the the owner only agrees to a certain pay to the first batch. He doesn't guarantee anything else to anybody else. He says, I will give what is right. Now, the problem could have all been solved if he would have paid the first ones first and they would have left and paid everybody else the same and nobody would have known what happened and everybody would have been happy. But that's not what happened. He started with the last first, giving them a Daenerys. You can imagine those that were there first thinking, wow, he gave them a Daenerys. I bet we're really going to get four or five Daenerys. That's going to be great. They're, they're thinking that in their mind already. And each one comes along, he gives them the same pay. And needless to say, they're not happy. Even though they basically had a verbal contract. I will pay you a Daenerys for a day's wages. Generosity. That's what God is about. God is about being generous. Remember the thief up on the cross? At the very last hour, the thief talks to Jesus. And Jesus says, today you will be with me in paradise. Throughout his entire life, he made bad decisions. But at the very last hour, he comes to God. And he is forgiven. And he will end up in heaven. 
Think about all the people who have been righteous their entire life. They, they went to Sunday school. They went to church. They did everything for the church. They gave generously to the church. They did all these things during the course of their life. Do you think that they should receive more than the thief? An interesting question. But in God's eyes, it's about grace. Grace is given equally to everybody. And we should be thankful. Hey, the thief was saved. We should be, hey, that's awesome. That's wonderful. But yet we take on this jealousy look about, oh, that, that's not fair. I did more for the church than he ever did. God is generous with his grace and he gives it to everybody. And everybody that wants to come is deserving of it. Now as these laborers, there's like a marketplace there. And in his book, Jesus Through the Middle Eastern Eyes, Kenneth Bailey draws out the oddities of the story. Any landowner would know how many men he would need to work in the land for that day. He would have to go back for more each day. He would know how many it is. But I kind of think about it also about Jesus. But Jesus being the shepherd, what is he doing? He's going out in the field. He's looking for more people to save. He's looking for more people. Come on in. I want to save you. Come on in. It goes out the first hour, the third hour, the sixth hour, the ninth hour. Even the eleventh hour he goes out. He wants everybody to be saved. Doesn't want to leave anybody behind. Bailey writes of his own experience in living in Jerusalem, where the unemployed Palestines would gather near the Damascus Gate in hopes of work. He says, I usually look the other way when I pass by, trying not to think about the humiliation those young men suffered and the quiet desperation that their presence reflected. He says, But they, he notes, were gone by noon. In Jesus' story, the men were still there at the end of the day because no one has hired us. We sometimes like to play judge. Jonah was no, exam no uh, exemption to that as well. Jonah says, you are a generous God. He's supposed to go to Nivea and proclaim the gospel and tell them that they need to go from their ways. But what Jonah was afraid of is that they were going to repent of their ways and he said, they don't deserve it. In his mind, they don't deserve it and he went the other way. He fled. One thing about God, you can't hide from God. You cannot flee from God. He will find you. Like he found Jonah. Like he finds us, wherever it might be. Jonah complains. We complain because sometimes we think things are not fair. You know, how many times is it that you're happy about a situation only then you find out what somebody else has you think should be yours? Now all of a sudden you're not happy anymore. You're upset. There's a story about... Uh, David and Donna. There are two staff members that were hired at the same time in this company. Their jobs were basically about the same. 
They were considered parallel with each other. The pay was identical. Everything was acceptable, everything was good, everything was wonderful. Until it came time for job reviews. Some bosses began to say, David has a higher degree. He's in charge of more people. There are four people in his family and three in Donna, so David should get more money. And then Donna's supporters spoke up. Well, Donna is a single mom and doesn't have a working spouse, so she should get more money. Donna is older and has been working in this area longer than David. Donna has two master's degrees, and David only has one, so she should get more money. And on and on it goes. Suddenly, the two productive staff members became disgruntled and ineffective in doing their jobs because now they felt shortchanged. So when David got his raise, he was happy. Until he found out that Donna got the same raise as him. He thought that wasn't fair. I do more than she does. And of course, Donna, she got her raise, and she was happy. Until she found out David got the same raise. That's not fair. How many times is it that we get something, we're happy with it until we found out that Joel over here is getting more than I am. That's not fair. I do just as much as he does. I do more. And he gets the same pay as me. I've been working for this company for 30 years. Why should the person coming in now makes more than me? Oh, yes. That's what this parable is talking about. It's talking about fairness. It's interesting. Someone pointed out, they said, well, the first shall be last, and the last shall be first, but the first shall be equal. Because that's what ends up happening. Everybody suddenly becomes... See, in God's kingdom, everybody's equal. We don't like to look at it that way in our minds. We like to think of ourselves as being better because we deserve it. And then there's times in our lives when we uh, don't take action. But we'll complain about it. Someone says, well, if you think you should get more money... Why don't you go to the council and, and talk, ask them for a raise? It's like everybody else will complain about it, but they don't want to do anything to maybe go to the council and, or their jobs or their higher-ups and talk about it. We would rather sit back here and complain because we feel more comfortable here than to confront our bosses and ask them for a raise. The last shall be first and the first shall be equal or last. It is all about serving. You know, Jesus came into the world not to be number one. Realize, he was number one up in heaven. He came down here not to be number one, but to serve. To be a servant of all. We think that other things around us should be more glorious. It should be awesome. It should be around, revolving around me, myself, and I. God's grace isn't like that. God's grace is abounding out for everybody to receive. It's kind of like that picture there that we have. Jesus is knocking at the door. You notice there's no door handle on that door. Jesus is knocking at the door. It's up to us to open it up and let him come in. 
if we stay away and don't open the door, what have we gained? God is so awesome and wonderful. And yet in our lives, society is just is getting so frustrating because of the way things in this world are turning to. Self-gratification. Doing things the way I want to do it. Or maybe I'm not happy about me and I'm going to do something else about it. You know, this last week on the news, perhaps you've seen it, uh, Instagram, how it's affecting the 13 and 14-year-olds out there, the younger ones, how they put these filters out there. And these filters are supposed to make you look like something that you're not, something more beautiful. Or you're on Facebook. They say Facebook will depress so many people. Why? Because they see their friends having fun down in Jamaica, or they see their friends doing this or that, and, and you don't get to do those things, but you can stay, they post their pictures all over the place. So now you're feeling envious, and in a way, covetous, because you want that. You were happy until you seen those pictures. Now you feel sad. God says, no, 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 no. The kingdom of God is so much more important than the the place here on earth. God's grace is for everybody. You know, the Hebrew word for grace is hen. It's spelled spelled K-H-E-N. Kind of pronounced hen. Grace is anything that induces a favorable response or something we find ourselves drawn to. It might be elegant, it might be charming, it might be beautiful. You see, that's what grace is. It's beautiful. It's awesome. It's given by God for everybody. Not just at the first hour, but at the last hour. Grace of God is given for everybody, going from Billy Graham to the thief on the cross. It's for everybody. On equal amounts, on equal terms. When we see somebody being saved, we should be happy and not sad because they are treated equally to us. Grace is about a picture of God's enduring love. It is given to us on what we deserve, not what we need or want. Sometimes we go through life, it's like, okay, I I need this. So this is what God's going to give me, and he will be ample in giving me this. This is what I, I deserve. Oh, but... I want this, and I want this, and I want this, and pretty soon we got all kinds of things adding up to things that, no, 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 God says, wait a minute. Where's your mind? Where's your heart? Where's your desire? Think of things up in heaven, not things of this planet. This is what you deserve, and this is what you're going to get. The birds of the air, hey, they got their places to rest. Are we not much more important than the birds of the air? Of course. God loves his children. Come to him. Today's parable is about making everybody equal. And the landowner says, Are you envious because I am generous? 
God is generous. Isn't that great? What if we were in the other shoes? What if we were in the shoes of the thief or somebody else who was a sinner all his life and at the very last hour came to confession and said, I'm sorry, God, forgive me. It would be horrible if God said, well, I'm sorry, it's too late. No, God's not like that. He's not going to say, I'm sorry, it's too late for you. When somebody comes, what does it say? The angels in heaven are singing and giving glory and praise because somebody has been found. They haven't come back to God. Oh, yes, life is great. Life is wonderful. As it says in Colossians 3, 23 and 24, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord, not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. So when we are feeling jealous, when we're feeling covetous against somebody else because they have more than us, we're not serving Jesus. Serving Jesus is about our inheritance in heaven where moth and rust and nothing can destroy. That's what we want to go, folks. That is it. That's what the labors of the vineyard is about. It's about grace, about God's grace for everybody, about his love for everybody, about his forgiveness for everybody. Even at the 11th hour, come, he says, come. I want you. I love you. And so that's what it's all about. Take the grace of God and take it to heart. Let it grow inside of you. Let it, let it just grow and, and be abundant. Because the grace of God is so awesome, so powerful. Don't be like Jonah and say, hey, you know, they don't deserve it. Don't be like other people and say, ah, no, I'm gonna, that's wrong. You shouldn't, I'm the one that should be getting that. I think sometimes we have a tendency to look beyond where we should be looking. Oh, yes, it is easy to do. And then we feel bad, we feel envious. When we do, we should come back to this parable and read this parable and realize that, you know what? Everything is okay with me. Everything's all right. I don't need any more than what I already have. What would you do with it anyway? Can't take it with you. God's grace is awesome. Take it to heart. Take it with love. Remember that in our parable, it is about the kingdom of God. God is the landowner. The vineyard is Israel, or perhaps you can call it the church. The workers, that's us. We are the workers of the church, workers in the kingdom down here. This applies to our lives, our jobs, our spiritual life, in every aspect of our life. Regardless, we need to be happy with what we have. Make sure that you're always in the position where God can bless you. Even when it's late in the day, it seems like everyone is getting hired but you. Stay in the marketplace. Keep yourself available in case God chooses to call on you. 
in the eleventh hour. When that when God is knocking at the door, open it up and receive God's blessings today, tomorrow, and forever. This is the day that the Lord has made. We should rejoice and be glad in it because God created it for us. Amen. May the grace of God which surpasses our understanding keep our hearts in